Did you have anything in particular you wanted to talk about or no? Like, other than the movie. Which I don't even know if you want to talk about that. But did you have anything <laughs> particular just going on in life that you felt the need to mention? Because I, I actually, I don't have anything in particular to, uh, this week. Nothing that won't go into a housekeeping episode. In, in yeah, same. I, you know, I want to talk about the stimulus and stuff, but we're going to do housekeeping next week. So, um. I mean, you took up twice as much time as we usually do last week uh, going over stocks and stuff. So we could just take that time that we had last week and, and you know, not use it this week. Yeah, that's fine. That's fine. All right. That works with me. I don't know. I feel, I feel good. I feel ready to get into this. Guess how many new reviews we have, Ty? One. One new review-ish? That is correct, Ty. We had not just a listener, but another podcast reach out to us and let us know what they thought. So this is the Polar Opposites podcast. Uh, If you haven't listened to them, I guess go look them up and give them a listen. I should have listened to them in between, uh, in between getting the email and reading this, because who knows? Maybe they're like uh, (laughs) the silent majority podcast, (laughs) imagine. Oh, and uh, they're like, oh my God, we love your stuff. <laughs> and here I am promoting them. But uh, but yeah, anyway, so I just I just want to read a couple of uh, a couple of kind words that were said to us by another podcast. And we, we really appreciate these words. It says, hi, I just found your podcast today after listening to your Judas and the Black Messiah episode. I wasn't sure what to expect, but I gave it a listen and I loved it. I really appreciate that your show isn't just about the movie. The commentary and personal experiences really add depth to the show. I love the multiple perspectives and how nuanced the discussion is. Now I'm going to binge the other episodes about movies I've seen, LOL. So that was awesome, and uh, we, we really appreciate that, and it means a lot, especially as, I mean, you know, peek behind the curtain again, we do it all the time. Uh, listenership has been uh you know it it fluctuates and last month we like we hit half the listens that we got the month before so i was like oh my god nobody likes black people but that's (laughs) that's not our problem (laughs) um but uh but anyway yeah i thought that i thought that that was uh awesome and ty good guess on the how many reviews we got this week it's like it's like i had prior knowledge or something wild something of the sort listen listeners uh if you want to have your reviews or kind words whatever they may be read at the top of the podcast all you have to do is uh is go to the podcatcher of your choice preferably apple podcast leave us a five-star review and just uh you know some words about us if you don't want it read out loud but you want to leave a review you can do that too just let us know you don't want it want it read aloud are you ready to bring in that theme song ty let's bring it on in all right here we go Welcome back to the Politipop Podcast, the podcast where we read between the lines of obscure pop culture media and discuss the social and political themes within. I am your co-host, Mike Booch, a.k.a. the Soy Boy Pseudo-Intellectual, and in my second seat is my co-host, Ty. Hey! And today we are reviewing a movie about having superpowers, being different because of them, and realizing that you're not alone. That's right, we are doing Into the Spider-Verse again. No, we are actually <laughs> reviewing Fast Color. And uh, and and I've, I've been looking forward to it. I wasn't exactly sure what to expect, but I want to let all of you know uh, what what my my thoughts were before going into it. What I thought it was going to be based on what I had heard about it. Let's, it it let's is kind of weird that we did two like superhero films back to back. You know, they definitely they both have superpowers. They both have similar themes. 
Yeah. We're going to do Black Panther next week. Films. But yes, what are we doing again, next week? Black Panther again. <laughs> We're going to do Black Panther again and Blade. Yeah. And Pluto Nash <laughs> to finish oh. out the holy <laughs> trinity of, of, uh, of black superheroes. But uh, yeah, so I, I had a feeling that this was going to deal with generational trauma, uh, that it was going to be about three generations of black women, and that was it. And turns out I was right. So, I mean, it was pretty vague. Nice. I knew nothing about this film. I never even heard of it before you uh, you brought it up. So uh, I had no expectations. Well, before we learn exactly what it was about, we're going to move right on along, baby. Let's bring in that spoiler alert. Oh, my God. I'm seeing the colors in the sky. And they are telling me that if you do not want to have fast color spoiled for you, then you would better not go through the rest of this podcast, okay? But uh, if you don't give a fuck or you've already watched the movie, then, yeah, listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, let's move into the plot, Ty, whenever you're ready. Fast color. After years in hiding, a woman is forced to go on the run when her superhuman abilities are discovered. Years after having abandoned her family, the only place she has left to hide is home. The only place she has left to hide is home. Ooh, what a chilling, no, that what a chilling way to pretty put good. it. It's pretty good. But, uh, but yeah, that is, that is the plot, uh... It's it's not even just like it's also the synopsis <laughs> like like it, it, it's the entire plot of the film, um, so technically that that yeah. is a spoiler and it's I mean it's a simple it's, it's a, a simple film yeah yeah it's a little slower and I'm not I'm not opposed to that honestly no, I, no. I like a contained story it, I mean it's there. definitely you know an indie film so they they don't have a ton of locations and you know things like that it's really about the characters and some occasional pretty cool special effects so. Yeah, the special effects I, w- I was very surprised by because, uh, and, in, and in a good way, because uh, I had known that it was more of an indie film, and I think I've only seen one actor in this film, maybe two, in uh, in anything else. And uh, really, yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, did did you were you familiar with the cast in here or no? Uh, yeah, the lead actress was in um, uh, Black Mirror. She was in that. I forget the name of the episode. It won a bunch of awards. Uh, yeah, I can't remember the name of the episode, but it, it's fine. I'm it's it's, it up right it's now. really popular. Um, and again, it won, it won a ton of awards, and it was probably one of Black Mirror's finest episodes. Uh, and then she is also going to be in Loki. Oh, nice, cool. Yeah, yeah I really, I really like her. Loki she's series. she's really good. So good for her. Um, and the sheriff was actually in the Expanse, the, the show I've been telling you about. So I thought that was kind of cool. Damn it! See, I really got to get on that. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, she was also in the Cloverfield Paradox, so I do, right, I do right, know right. her. More, she was in Jupiter Ascending by the Wachowskis. Um, but uh, but yeah, so Gugu Mbatha-Ra, she uh, she plays the lead Ruth in this in this film. Um, good to see her, uh, you know, continuing to work. Um, when I originally heard about this film, it was through Mark Bernardin. He was he's a co-host of Fat Man Beyond, formerly known as Fat Man on Batman. That's Kevin Smith's podcast, and he spoke up and down about Fast Color and and uh, and how you know how great it was and uh, and how it didn't really get the recognition it deserved. And um, you know, I definitely a Black Mirror. She was in San Junipero. Yes, thank you. Yes, have I watched that episode yet? You I think definitely like have. The- when Yorkie and Kelly visit San Junipero, a fun-loving beach town full of surf, sun, and sex, their lives are changed. This is like that award-winning episode. This is yep. the one I haven't seen. What? Oh, I don't my believe I've seen God. it. No. It's a beautiful story and so Black Mirror. Dude, get on that. As soon as we're done here, that's what you're watching. That's, that's, that's perfect. Is it worth it to smoke before I watch it or no? 
I mean, you could, but I think you. I enjoyed it sober, so. Okay. Well, I mean, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> just because. Well, if there's certain things like um. It's very emotional. There, there's a philosophical um, dilemma presented by the finale of Wandavision. Okay. That normally is probably just a small thing, and if you're watching, you're like, "Oh, that's cool." But I was watching it, and I'm like, "Oh my god, my reality!" <laughs> I mean, yeah. If you if you smoke, so you're, I mean, I feel like, yeah, you're obviously it's Black Mirror. I mean, that's what it does. Hey, you're gonna think you're gonna it think turn, that, it turns right? reality on its head and says, "This is what the future holds." So you know, if you if you want that, then go for it. But uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe we should review that episode one day. It's really good. Yeah, I would I would a hundred percent be down for it. There's there's probably several Black Mirror episodes that are worth you know what? We could do a month. That'll Ooh. just be our thing. We'll just we'll just do themed months. That could be really um, fun. But yeah, I um I was I was pleasantly surprised by the special effects. Uh but unfortunately this movie didn't seem to have from what I understand, I haven't heard anybody else talking about it. You didn't hear about it until I mentioned it. You know, I, I don't think this really had the marketing uh, that it that it deserved to get its name out there. But uh, you know, no, I was looking at it. Only made about seventy six thousand dollars. Get in, out in, of a, in a limited really? uh, theater release. So limited, limited theater release. I could I couldn't quite find what the budget was. I mean, it obviously was low. I I can't imagine it was it was less than that though. So they definitely you know lost money. Um, you know, maybe maybe people bought it, but I doubt it. You know, I probably didn't make a whole lot of money. But, you know, when you make an indie film like this, I don't think you're planning on it. You just kind of want to get your name out there, you know, get the film out there. Uh, and I think they were really smart with how they spent their budget, right? They, you know, they got some, some I think they got some really good actors, but no one like such a big name they probably would have had to pay a huge amount to. And then, you know, they kept it in just a couple of like really generic locations. And then, boom, superpowers. You know, throw half the budget in there, right there, and it's it seemed to work out for them. So, I love when you talk film. Do you know that? Oh yeah. I just want to hear you talk more. I want you to say ADR. I want you to say <laughs> budget. I want you to say flop. You know, real, real like industry yeah, film. Yeah. Film well, for anyone who doesn't know, I did go to school for film. I unfortunately was not able to pursue it uh, as a career, but you know, I, I got a little bit. I got a little bit of knowledge there. Every once in a while, it creeps back out. But if you listen to our antebellum episode, how many weeks ago? <laughs> a few, this. a few weeks ago. <laughs> two, two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. If you listen to our antebellum episode two weeks ago, you realize that Nick, the special guest uh, that we had on, he, uh, you know, he's working post on our own uh, on our own indie film, yeah, uh, which does not have effects anywhere anywhere near this, but um, not. You know, uh, taking an earnest look at what superpowers mean in the real world, similar in that way. Yes, yeah, very, very much. You know, this this movie from the from the start seems to make it a point uh, to critique capitalism, which I really liked. Um, I think also it's important that this movie is told from the point of view of generations of of black women. Um, we've done the work in previous episodes, okay? We've talked about generational trauma, so we won't like expound on it a lot mm-hmm. here. If if that's okay, we'll, we'll we'll talk about it. Obviously, it's it's a huge theme in the sh- in the movie, but there's something about uh, listening to listening to Bo read the the journal entries that have been kept by women from her family, and um, just to hear that, like I thought. I thought we were we were just going into the dystopian future, but this dystopian future has been around for a while. You know, she said her grandmother or her great grandmother, I think, started keeping that journal or wrote in that journal or something. And um, and in, you know, one of the entries, it says like, yeah, you know, there's not a drop of water left and all they could or we haven't had rainfall in however many years. And all all they could think to do is raise the price of water. 
like oh know, that was right that was there. from the journal i didn't catch that i thought she uh, yeah that's interesting yeah, well, I think they showed her um, reading uh, reading the journal just as the voiceover kind mm. of uh, you know went out, and they were introducing us to the world. But uh, but yeah, you know that kind of that kind of has the you know just that old weathered black voice to me. And if and if you guys are listening and you don't know exactly what I'm talking about, it's kind of like the whole like you know you're talking to an older black person and you're like, oh well, this politician sucks, that politician sucks, blah blah, and they're like, yeah. The world fucking sucks. Like, like <laughs> yeah. at this point, they're just like, all right, yeah, it fucking sucks. I'm jaded by it. It is what it is. Like, yep, the man's going to raise the price of water. You know, they just wrote that in the journal and, you know, didn't make an entire podcast series about how they felt about it like we did. You know, <laughs> it's just like, yep, it is what it is. Now, now this movie is a lot more subverted if you are looking for themes involving involving race and uh, and critiques of you know, of, of politics or, or of social issues. Uh, but I do think that they, that they are there. And I wanted to lead into it with this thought. You've heard that, uh, that JJ Abrams and ta Coates are going to be working on, uh, a, a Superman property allegedly or a Superman film. Yes. So there are rumors that have been floated around that, Oh, you know, this could be the black Superman movie. You know, this could be, yes, you know, Michael that. B. Jordan, who's been wanting to play it. You know, you've seen plenty of comment threads on Facebook about it. You've seen a couple of videos here and there. I'm sure more than a couple, honestly. <laughs> um, my, my, my thoughts on that don't necessarily need to be shared, uh, shared here, but, uh, but the long and the short of it to keep it simple is whatever. They're going to have another fucking Superman film in another five years. I think like, what we should be all focusing on is JJ Abrams is working on this. And he's uh, he's been working on Star Wars, and we know how that turned out. So, so what you do is you have J.J. Abrams do the first film. Michael B. Jordan is Clark Kent. Right. Ryan Johnson does the second film. Joseph Gordon-Levitt is Clark Kent, and then third film, Michael B. Jordan's back, and f- fuck it, and J.J.'s back in the director. But like chair. all the okay. stuff they set up in the first movie, like <laughs> about him being like Black Superman and like making it like a big deal, like being really cool about it. They just drop it. They're like, fuck it. He's just, nobody, nobody's going to even acknowledge that we changed actors and we're just going to, we're just going to keep going forward because, you know, who cares about Finn? I, I mean, shit, Superman, sorry. Damn it. Oh yeah, God, that's damn right. It. That's exactly what they did. <laughs> that's right. They're going to, they're going to have like Michael B. Jordan on the cover, red S across his <laughs> chest and be like, you know, you will believe a black man can fly. And then like by the second movie, it's like all about Lois <laughs> or, or like Perry White. Yeah. Or, or like some shit. Yeah. They're like, what the fuck? Like, we're like, God damn it. We got to get, we got to meet these deadlines in order to report. The news is insane. And then in the background, you just see some dude flying around fighting dark stuff. No, Ryan Johnson <laughs> will have white Superman from an alternate universe coming in. He'll be like, look, it's a new 52 Superman. He showed up. So uh, we're going to focus on him now. Oh my God. Oh, you're, you're just naturally Krypton. Krypton <laughs> He's going to free all the animals. Of, of all the planets in, in the world. <laughs> uh, yes, every animal everywhere, uh, oh, even as a vegan. There's there's a whole review to happen on that. But um, but anyway, but the the idea that that it makes you think of is what is a different story if we have a black Clark Kent? You know, how does it change the way you know uh, being an older white family in the rural Midwest raises their child right, or right. passes off an adoption and. Um, you know, there are just there are just certain things that come that come with being black in the United States that regardless of what character you have, be they a musician or a superhero, that they all have a, a, a similar experience. So we see that uh, that this movie starts off with with Ruth being on the run. Uh, we find out that it's because she, al- along with the rest of her family, uh, has these powers and these powers are fucking awesome 
awesome. They can basically like take apart, they can deconstruct matter on a molecular level. Well, probably molecular, but you know, we can we can't actually see molecules IRL, but a molecular <laughs> level um and and then reform them back together right. just as they were. To a degree though, right? Like I, I I'm not exactly sure, but I know like when they're trying to repair that broken window, you can't, right? And they say, "What's broken stays broken." See, so that pissed me off, and um, yeah, and we'll we'll actually we'll talk about why it pissed me off a, a little bit later. But uh, but yeah, there are limits to their powers that they can only take apart items and put them back together. But if an item is already broken, let's say a window, they can't just put the and and they didn't take it apart; it's been naturally broken. They can't put it back together. But that window didn't naturally break, right? Like, didn't she break it with her powers? Uh, maybe. I will say there are parts of this film that are pretty rushed. and, yeah, yeah. and uh, Or it just randomly and, and a, shattered for no reason. They're like, fuck, and a little vague. Yeah. Yeah, they're kind of vague about what, what um, Ruth's powers are. Like, like we know that she has powers from the family, but there's something, like, a little different about her. And one of those big differences about her is that when she uses these powers, she has uh, terrible seizures as a side effect. And these aren't just uh, seizures that affect her. The, they are seismic uh, seizures that affect tectonic plates and can harm those around her. And right. we learn that that is why she's on the run, because she didn't want to, uh, to hurt her daughter. So she left her daughter with her with her own mom and went on the road and uh, got involved in a lot of bad shit trying to escape this power. Right. Now, what is she on the run from? Seems like she's on the run from a lot of things, uh, herself being one of them. Uh, one of the things that that quelled her seizures, but also made it so she didn't have a connection to her powers. Well, actually, she probably did it so she wouldn't have a connection to her powers and thus wouldn't have the seizures, kind of like Kate Skywalker. Well, she right? did say That's she never life. saw the colors, right, until the very end of the film. Like, she never saw the colors, as she tells her kid. So was she able to use her powers but never saw them, the, but never the way her family did? Or yeah. did they use seeing the colors as an, as an illusion, you know, to... It, it, it's unclear to me Let's because it, it. It, they do show her as a child and they show the colors in front of her, right? Like, so the audience sees them. But it's unclear whether or not she as a little girl did. But she does specifically say, I've never seen the colors. You know, she doesn't say, I don't see them now. She says, I've never seen them. Uh, and, they, you know, that's when the, mo- the her mother, the grandmother, explains that, you know, that she's never been able to use her powers the same way and you know she it just doesn't work for her the way you know it does for them and so i I was a little unclear there uh you know so i'm not sure neither am i it (laughs) seems but uh but we do know that she turned to drugs to alleviate the seizures one way or another and uh and in in being an addict it uh it really uh it really ruined her life as it does anyone and um and you know that we find out much later in the movie that there was actually an instance in which she, um, <clears throat> uh, content warning here, uh, she has a seizure while asleep with her daughter in bed, and it bursts a pipe in the basement, and her daughter falls off the bed and into the water. Right. And uh, and this is kind of this is the most pivotal moment in her life because it, you know she sobered up to have a kid, and yet her powers are still making it so she can't have a child. Doesn't she also say for a while after she had the baby that the seizure stopped and then they started that was like they just started out of nowhere at that point. Must have been why she was comfortable enough to go, you know, to sleep with her daughter the way she was. Yeah. yeah. But she does say that. Thank you for catching that. 
I don't necessarily want to compare this to Into the Spider-Verse, but because it is a movie about having superpowers that other you, and it is a movie about being an other, as in being a person of color, I think there are uh, there are correlations to draw between. Like, you know, the thing we, we said last week is that the power could mean anything to you. You know, it could be a hobby you have. It could be a trauma you have. It could be something that makes you you. In the case of Ruth, her entire family has this. So, like, you know, they're not alone, but... She is the one who is alone because she's the only one who has these seizures. And that's, you know, that's really rough. And I think it it makes for her being being an interesting character. Yeah. Now, if we are going to view this from the reading between the lines perspective that we love to do on the Politipop podcast, we also see that maybe these powers represent her blackness. Not hers specifically, but, you know, if you want to look at this as being a representation of what it is to be black in the United States, there are generations of things that are passed down to you that you have no say in, that you were born with. Yeah. You were born into a world that will not accept you for these things. Let's say it's something as simple as the color of your skin, or let's say it's something like generational trauma, which we went over in the Lovecraft Country episode, and uh, my cousin Mani on the Judas and the Black Messiah episode made a really great point of, of just of stressing how generational trauma isn't just about habits that are broken or, or habits that can't be broken from parent to child and, and to child to child. It's also about the fact that your body, your mind biologically alters to adjust to trauma. So it's an entire um, family line that, ha- that, that, that is changed by that. In the movie, it's superpowers, but in real life, I do think we see people of color who are born into similar circumstances, um, and it could be it could be socioeconomic circumstances, it could be right out racism, um, you know. But whatever it is, there are there are only so few options presented to to certain individuals. In this movie, we see she, you know she says I became an addict, and she became an addict to escape the circumstances of her life that she was born into. And you know, to me, that just kind of screamed like how it's always communities of color that get substances poured into them on purpose um, yeah. by by the United States uh, because they are more susceptible to want to escape these conditions there, there's and definitely that, that's what I got there's from. definitely a couple moments where you know they're they're not they're not blatantly saying you know it's because they're black it's because of their superpowers but you you could you know make that connection like the fact that they have to their family moves out to the middle of nowhere to get away from society because you know people are constantly looking at them and and, you know, they're afraid of being judged for their powers. And, you know, you could definitely see that uh, in a very racist world, right, where where people might, they just might want to get away and just be them and their family and not have to deal with, you know, uh, the, the potential of, of racism or, you know, oppression from other people. And this one's probably really obvious. You know, there's the moment where the police show up and she's at the diner and, you know, she's on the run. Uh, I believe she has a stolen car. So that, you know, that's the reason that she's running. But you could also say, you know, when you call uh, the police on a black person, there's a very real threat there, right? And she's obviously very terrified and she chooses to go with a random stranger she just met, uh, you know, as opposed to actually dealing with the cop and, and, you know, and going with this guy, which turns out to be a mistake because he's, you know, he's been kind of hunting for her. But, you know, I think... That choice is something that, you know, maybe you could see in real life, right? A black person might not want to deal with, with a police officer because they don't know what's going to happen. They don't know how that's going to escalate. And they'll they'll take a lifeline from, you know, someone in, around them who's willing to help. Yeah, Ruth, uh, whether it's because of her powers or because of her skin, she's not comfortable being there. And, uh, and yeah, she does take that lifeline. 
Now, this guy uh, was actually on his way to 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 Chris Hansen, uh, but and to be on Catch a Predator. <laughs> Catch a Predator <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, what? Dateline NBC, <laughs> but uh, but because he he met Ruth, he was like, all right, you know, journey. He he <laughs> definitely <laughs> looked like it. Fuck. Yeah, he one hundred percent did. Like they made it a point to make him like the creepiest dude, yeah. or he could just be a nice dude. I knew um, he was. Come on, they made it so obvious. We're just buying her a cup of coffee and just like asking her all these questions like this fucking guy is a serial killer or something but well yeah well that's the thing though like we see this from the point of view did i just whistle in my you i was did. like the, was, the was old a... the family guy uh molester dude <laughs> you see this from the point of truth i hear <laughs> um i'm not i'm leaving it in fuck it but we we see this from the point of view of ruth and and you know, this is a scary world in general. It's a scary world, especially for her. So she's going to be seeing everyone um, as as suspicious. And obviously, we see this guy as suspicious. You know, we don't know why at first, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but but we we definitely find out why, and it's because he is working. I assume with the government. You know, uh, to oh, he says it. He's working with the government, yeah. but it's very vague. He's like a, to, he's like a scientist to, for them. Yeah, yeah, to like run experiments on her and and see if they could use her powers for their to their advantage. They don't say exactly what they keep it nebulous, and I'm kind of glad they do. Well, yeah, because it makes it seem very nefarious, you know what I mean. And then you know, at the end of the film, you kind of realize they're trying to save the planet, and you know, not that their actions are heroic necessarily or they're in the right, but like you can understand the desperation that humanity is going through, right? When it hasn't rained. In, in this long, the planet's dying because, I mean, fuck it, that's where we're heading, right? We haven't actually done anything to, to protect the planet we're living on. You know, what, what happens when you're already in the midst of it? When it's too late to repair the damage and you find someone who has these abilities that can affect the Earth itself, you know, it's like a, a second chance, right? And I think they're so desperate, they're going to do whatever it takes to, to take her and use her powers any way they can and figure out how to heal the damage that we have caused as humans. Yes, typical of uh, of the United States government. It's less about okay, how did we cause the problem and how can we fix it, and it's more about how can you know the the problem be be curtailed by something else. What's our shortcut? What can we do? You know, here in real life, we have all right. Let's the economy is failing. Let's just throw bodies at this at this virus, uh, and they'll die, so that way the economy can keep going. Um, and uh, and similar to uh, to you know once again the Judas and the Black Messiah yeah. episode you know I, I alluded to the fact that in order for the science of gynecology to to advance actually not in order for it to happen I'm sure there are so many other ways it could have but uh, the primary practice was was you know the doctor who has a statue in his in his uh, in his image by the way obviously statues are always in his image who has a statue in in, in his remembrance uh, because of all the great work he did for gynecology but meanwhile there were uh, black women that he was torturing and dissecting and and doing terrible things to in order to figure these things out and uh, and those practices still carry through to today where you know as my cousin said that there are black women who uh, consistently will not get medication or get painkillers because it's believed that they uh, that they have a higher tolerance for pain that you know black women are still more likely to die in childbirth than white women are like it is just it's really ter- you know terrible stuff so so we do have to keep this in mind and you know we see that this is just a tradition that this creeper wants to continue experiment on the black woman yeah. you know, in this case it's because oh powers but you know what what it, there's really not much of a difference when you if you do want to draw that parallel to real life because it's you know it's okay well 
we need to to figure out a way to help people. Like gynecology helps people, but you know you don't have to throw black bodies under under the you know the gears in order to do it. Yeah, well said. So so yeah, so she does have to return home, and uh, and there are some really nice character moments I like in this. Uh, I don't know how much of my history I have shared or, or haven't shared on this podcast, but. Um, I have mentioned this, that there's something about your family that they have this ability to make you uh, a child again, to really bring you back to the most vulnerable form of yourself, no matter how much you've grown or advanced as a human being. Um, you know, they I think there was a quick allusion to it, just a nice shot where she has the child's backpack that she had to get from uh, who, who gave her the child's backpack again? Mm, I don't remember. She got a child's backpack, <laughs> and uh, oh, oh, from a from a from a bar that she that she wanted to that she worked at to get some some water and food. Uh, once again, water is incredibly scarce. It costs twenty eight dollars for like half a gallon of water. Like you know, I, I feel bad for poor Ruth because she's barely been drinking anything either. We see at the diner she only has one egg because she doesn't have any money, and that water's so expensive she doesn't have a drink. Um, and this whole time she's using it to clean herself. Uh, she's, you know, she never really used it to, you know, to to quench her thirst. Yeah, I mean, even the coffee that she that they Ugh. drink, right? They they discuss how it kind of tastes like dirt, and you got to imagine if you're not using any kind of, uh, you know, water or any kind of you know liquid to. to They're kind probably of, using like limited like yeah, amounts of water so it's, or reused for all we know. Exactly, so it's it's heavy on yeah. the coffee, and it's probably pretty like muddy and and gross, and yet they still enjoyed it. You know, I guess it still quenches the thirst when when you have no other options. Uh, at first, I thought the daughter was just good at engineering, and I was like, "Oh, they're doing like a STEM thing." Uh, and it turns out that uh, that that she just had those powers, and not just had those powers. I mean, she does really amazing stuff. Yeah. You know, that being said, can we talk about her real quick? No, we can't. What if I said no? <laughs> her, da- you were like, actually, I would, I would rather not. Would <laughs> we're not going to discuss her, discuss her daughter ever. She upsets me. She's. <laughs> An anti-vaxxer. Um, anti-masker. She just really, she really triggers me. She's so. an anti-masker. For a little girl, she has a lot of reach. And, you know, a lot of people are influenced by her. Okay, I killed enough time. So her daughter seems to have an affinity for, for this ability. Like, because her grandmother, Bo, has been teaching her how to use it. And uh, and she's she's really, really great at, at taking things apart, putting them back together. We hear that, you know, she did it with the record player. We hear that she wants to do it with the with the with the truck. And and in order to do it, we find out later that she's been actually shoplifting by deconstructing tools into like their their base form, like a metal powder, putting them in pouches. And, and she's she's reforming those tools at home and using them to make a truck. Um you know, so she she really is an amazing young lady. Uh, you know, so much so her mom sees the potential and tries to push her. That's when we get the idea that you know the glass the glass can't be put back together because it wasn't deconstructed; it was broken, not taken apart. Right. Um. So so that being said, how did you feel about that rule? Um. You know, I I I thought it was kind of strange, but. I, I do think they were starting to kind of say that wasn't true, right? There's that moment where where Ruth tells her daughter that, you know, why why can't we try to put the glass back together? And they start to, and it almost works, right? It almost works, and, and then it doesn't. But I think by the end of the film, I, I think that, that proves to kind of not be true. They, you know, they don't directly stay, say it, but the idea, I think, that if they work together... They can kind of accomplish anything. 
Um, and I think that that's the, kind of the whole point of the movie is that by working together and using their powers and, and you know, being one unit, they can repair the broken world that they're living on. Right. Yeah. And that's so that was the most uh, uh, effective part of this movie for me. Just the theme of like you have black women who can repair the world, but we're told that they can't repair what's already been been broken. So look at this through our lens, right? A broken system. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones who broke it, but can they be the ones to repair it? And we have an older generation telling them, no, you can only you, you, you can do amazing things, but only within your realm. You can't fix what other people have broken. And this is our, our moment of the of the podcast where we talk about the younger generation. We should we should really change the name of this podcast too. <laughs> we absolutely should. I mean, on, if we could we find similar themes in so many yeah. of these, we could make them into segments. That's that's what's so yeah. funny about these. Or we could just we can make them into segments and only review films that have those. Like if we if there's a film that doesn't have we're like, nope, it doesn't yeah, mention the younger generation. Fuck it. You know? No, but I mean I think uh, I think it's just yeah. I think it's it's an accurate, you know, reading of what they're trying to say. And I think so many people are trying to say that. I mean, how many times have you heard this that, you know, it, it's gonna be up to the younger generation to repair the damage has been done before. Uh, you know, I know we've discussed it many times on this podcast. The listeners have heard it many times. Yeah, so yeah, you know, just how <laughs> Uh, you know, not even our generation, even like, you know, Gen Z is trying to, uh, to, to do so much. And, and I think that's absolutely what this message is. You know, like you said, the older generation telling them you can't do this, but Ruth and her daughter don't want to accept that. Right. They, they, they want to try to repair things. And, uh, you know, you look at how, how powerful, how talented her daughter is, you know, Ruth's daughter. And she just, she just absolutely, you know, you, you can see that maybe she can do this. Maybe she can be the one to prove that's not true and can repair the damage that has been done, you know, for, to these people, to this planet, to whatever. Yeah, traditionally, women in this family for generations have learned that they have to keep themselves hidden. And it, it has to be such a frustrating experience. And it seems to be one that, for the most part, Bo, uh, Bo is content with living because she gets to live this way, yeah. um, you know. But also, I want to talk about about their hair, okay? And how this kind, you know, I've I've spoken about the importance of black hair previously, but you know, I think it says something that Bo's hair is uh, is bound, and that both you know her daughter and granddaughter, you know, Ruth and and uh, and Lila, they um they they keep their hair out and Ruth mm. her whole thing is that she has to keep herself restrained you know when we see her cleaning off her her uh her wrist wounds uh, at the beginning those lacerations on her wrists we think it's because something happened to her there's ropes that were on her wrists we think somebody else did that well i think somebody else did this to her i don't want to assume you know maybe all of you were a lot more you know you saw the shit coming fast than i did <laughs> um but uh faster color or than i did but <laughs> But we find out it's because she is always restraining herself, so that way these, you know, these these tremors don't get out of hand. Yeah, I mean, I think they intentionally want you to think that she's been yeah. kidnapped and bound. That's why she's running, right? She's on the run because she's been, you know, uh, we don't know, assaulted or or whatever happened to her. Um, but yeah, it, it turns out she she is doing it to herself. Yeah, it's um, I don't, I don't know. It's it's and excuse the pun, if you will. I think I think it's just a powerful symbol to, you know, have this. Her identity is something she has to restrain, and it's hurting herself by doing it. Um, 
if you want to look at it as a trans thing, you could too. Uh, you know, that, like that's there. If you are a trans person of color watching this, you could probably get that out of here too. You know, restraining your identity and hurting yourself while doing it. Um, I don't think that's part. I don't think that's the theme, but I think you could look for it. Um, you know, but but I but I really did. I really did like like that idea that. <sighs> You know, whether she accept whether she leans into her powers or leans away from them, she's hurting herself one way or the other. Like she is just so, in such an impossible position as a person. And, and I think it, it really it makes her a lot easier to empathize with. Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a there's a quote that she has in here. And I, it says uh, she she's kind of like talking to God. She's she's kind of like meditating. And she says, you know, keep coming back. It works if you work it and you're worth it. And apparently that is an Alcoholics Anonymous uh, term from what I... Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. When she started with the serenity prayer, I was like, oh, okay, we're going with recovery. Yeah. But yeah and I thought that was, that was... That? I mean, it just, you know, the, the quote itself kind of caught my attention. Um, and then, you know, I, like I said, I thought I'd heard it before, but I couldn't quite place it. And I just, I kind of wrote it down. I was like, that's interesting because, you know, if you want to just break it down as is, you know, she she's coming back to try and fix what what she couldn't accomplish the first time, right? She she's she couldn't do it and she ran away. But now she's realizing, you know, that if she works hard at it and she tries to repair the damage she's done and, and tries to repair her, you know, her her family relations uh, and, and all those kind of things, you know, it, it can happen, you know, and, if, and, it, and it's worth it. She's worth it. She's worth putting that time and that effort in to repairing this stuff. And then, you know, obviously looking it up and realizing it's an alcoholic anonymous uh, quote, I said, oh, you know, that makes a lot of sense. She, she dealt with addiction, um, you know, and she's she's trying to kind of uh, make up for for her sins of the past, and you know, by working at it and and spending time with her family and facing, I think, her problems, she's she's kind of taking those steps to do that. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Like whether you know, let's let's say addiction uh, addiction specifically, not addition. I've had <laughs> a problem. I've been ad- I've been addicted to crystal math for a while, and. <laughs> This addition has gotten the hold, gotten hold of me. <laughs> don't it's even get me on division. Woo. Oh, don't even get me started on it. But um, but yeah, if we want to view it as as addiction specifically, this idea that you're less than, or that you're worthless, or just people with low self esteem in general, like you've all said this to yourself, and I think that's so tough uh, to to make any steps in your life if you feel that you are not worth making those steps for. And, um, I, man, like that, that, that was incredibly relatable. Like this whole, like, you know, I mean, I, I tell it to you all the time. If you say something about yourself, Ty, I say, don't, don't talk about my best friend that way. Yeah. You know, or, or like, I'll even do it to myself. Like if I do something that I thought was, um, you know, was stupid or whatever, I'll be like, oh, you idiot. Or, oh, you should have done that. And I'm like, I am so hard on myself when I don't have to be. And uh, for just her to be like, you know, like, you're like you are worth it. I was like, oh my god, this is you know this is great. But yeah, that that was uh that that was a beautiful quote. Yeah, and it's it's a simple moment. You know, they don't spend a lot of time on it, but I, th- I thought it was good. Uh, there there is a quote too uh, that I believe Bo says, and she says it that we're all just doing the same thing over and over again, hoping someone will get it right. Uh, but yeah, that, I mean that's I that's I mean that's probably my favorite quote from the whole film. Uh, you know, and, and it kind of speaks to to what we were talking about with the generations and, and, you know, the fact that they just keep trying over and over and they're hoping it'll be different this next time. They're hoping it'll be better. And by the end of the film, I think they kind of make that message that maybe this time it will be, you know, by, by making some different choices and uh, maybe, the, you know, Ruth and 
can can kind of break that that cycle and make things a little better. Yeah, that better. maybe it's not about uh, okay, we have to stay as far away from each other as possible. Uh, you know, it's more about we have to unite through what makes us unique, yes. through what makes us othered, according to society, and and use that. You know, be unapologetically ourselves, and then use that to fix the world. Right, superhero unions. Exactly, we need them, and we need them bad, folks. Um, you know, the one thing we didn't mention is uh, Ruth's, uh, if I could say it, her, you know, watershed moment. You know, the thing that that changes her. Uh, you know, she's finally able to leave after her her own daughter is the one to fix the truck. Once again, younger generations being able to succeed maybe where we couldn't, being able to motivate us maybe where we would have lost that motivation, just like, uh, you know, Miles did to Peter. But, um, but you know, she's on her, you know, she's leaving. She goes to get some gas for the truck. And and she starts having her tremor and she's she's able to control this tremor. And when when she does, there's a drop of rain and there hasn't been rain. Yeah, I think they said it's been eight years since that was that was it. It was it was eight years. Right. And that that was the thing I was trying to say at the beginning. And they were like, you know, all all they can think to do is uh, is raise the price of water. That's still just one of my favorite favorite quotes because you know what that's exactly what they would do they brought it up on, on move left right when they were talking about like oh um you know this company has this vaccine and that company has this vaccine and yes it's like, how come we just don't all have the same formula for the vaccine like you know there shouldn't be a company that has a 65 percent uh success rate <laughs> yeah and it's just like what's the fucking point of the government step not you know if they don't step in and say people are dying uh we're gonna use this to vaccinate the world right it's like like nope, uh, we'll try to bid on it. Um, but that that other vaccine, the one thing about it, you know, that they're saying that sixty percent rate, but the testing was different than the other two vaccines, so it's not a hundred percent accurate with with that. It was tested on the new strain, I believe, and it also uh, is the only one that has not, I believe, had anyone uh, die from the vaccine or be hospitalized from allergic. Ooh, that is good to know. If you want to give me those, uh, those. That article or wherever you had that, I'll, I'll put that in the show notes and sources that I haven't updated for a month. All right, cool. Now, going back to this idea of like, yes, getting together and being unapologetically ourselves. Uh, there's There was a story that Bo told Ruth when she was young about Simone a lot. And, you know, she was this, you know, this mythological character that, you know, she made up. She was imaginary. And, you know, but she said like she had powers like ours and she could take apart the sky and everything. And uh, and you know, finally, Ruth is having this moment in real life where you know she she can take apart the sky. She sees the colors, and it was I was I was honestly crying. But you know, I I will I you know what it does what Aww. does it for me? A really great score. In addition to <laughs> in addition to this man, yeah, it well, it, it just, hits you it just so hits you, man. so hard, and, so it, and it and it did. So uh, I was already emotional from watching the Wandavision finale earlier, but. But yeah, so so she's running, running to get home. She has, you know, she can finally see the colors again. You know what? We actually took so little from this film that this will be the only movie we could go through the entire plot and come in on time. (laughs) (laughs) Not like we took so little. It is it is a very self-contained film with only, you know, four characters. So that, you know, that made it easier. Um, (laughs) But anyway, yeah. So it turns out she was the one who could who could do this. She was the one who could alter the sky. And uh, and, you know, she finds out that that her daughter was taken by the by the police. And and we also get this reveal that the sheriff is her father. Uh, Sure. She knew what she knew. She knew. Right. I I think she already knew that. But yeah, but he obviously has not been a part of their life. And 
and his uh, his granddaughter has no idea. He's they've never really met, um, and it's clear that the, that that he still loves. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, Bo, right? Bo loves him. They they've seemed very much in love. So it wasn't a matter of love. It's a matter of together. you're the sheriff. There's going to um, be attention on you. So while you can keep, while you can manipulate right. the law to keep your loved ones safe, you can't ever be with them either. Yeah, and they're different, right? They're different than him because of their superpowers. But you could also say because and he they're may black never, and he's while white. he is an ally, he could never actually uh, understand that experience firsthand. Right, and he might not be able to do his job effectively if he's with them because unfortunately other people will see him yes as which happens here by the way we should have just thrown credits up right there boom boom politipop podcast done for the week that was great um <laughs> but uh, but yeah he uh, but yeah we do see that at, at the very end when they when they do come to rescue uh lila lila thank you i keep wanting to call her ellis because i messed up that one thing and that's the, the father's name <laughs> little lila ellis actually flows pretty well <laughs> But yeah, so when they go to rescue Lila, the police come out. They see that it's raining. They're blown away. Yeah. It's raining because Ruth has literally taken apart the sky. Just like just like her childhood hero, Simona Lott, that wasn't fucking real. And um and you know, the cops come out, they're pointing guns at her, the you know, they're pointing guns at everyone, you know, and uh, and Bo, I think, was Bo the one who who took away the guns? I think she was, right? Yeah, she does, because she's incredibly powerful. And she she has complete control over her powers, but she's always been afraid to kind of use them in the world, right? She's kept it to uh, taking apart a cigarette or or just like like minor, minor things. It was her, her daughter and granddaughter who kind of actively use these powers now, now. Another thing I want to talk about now that you mentioned that is because, um, you know, they mentioned that the colors exist for a short while, kind of like an after image, after you use your power. And, you know, and, uh, and yeah. Lila Ellis says that <laughs> the, um, Lila says that the more amazing of a thing you do with your powers, the longer the colors stick around, which I don't know if they meant it, meant it this way, but it kind of, it, it reminds me of activism, activism. It reminds me of the civil rights movement. It reminds me of, you know, the black Panthers and now the black lives matter movement where we've mentioned before, you have your own forms of activism, but also that like, you know, th- Lila is looking to do something that's going to last, that's going to make those colors last. Like, she is looking to change the world. She's yeah. the only one. She says, like, I had these powers for a reason. I want to leave this this farm. Like, I want to I wanna go out and change the world. I want to do something. And um, and I, I really think that it is just, it's beautiful to see that where, you know, her mom and especially her grandmother have just been like, listen, like, we're great, but we got to, you know, we're not great. We're awesome. You know, we inspire awe, but we have to keep that hidden in order to keep ourselves safe. And, you know, it's like, no, like once we show everyone who we really are, you know, once we unite, once we maybe see if anyone else can do this, we, you know, we will be able to overcome. We will be able to change things and we're going to see colors all the fucking time, you know, for generations to come, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I even like her description of how it feels, right? It's like feeling like you're going to cry, but you're overwhelmed by happiness. You know, that feeling of just pure bliss and joy when you use them. And it's so sad that Ruth doesn't, hasn't been able to feel that the way her family does until the very end, you know? And I, I thought it was kind of poetic that she had said when she first had Lila that the tremors and stuff disappeared. And now 
when you know when her daughter's in danger and you know she knows that she needs to help her is when she's finally able to embrace her powers and learn to yeah control and them. uh and this control comes from self-realization and it comes from also taking responsibility because she had been running from herself for so long when we finally see the flashback of what happened that led to her daughter almost drowning to death that uh you know that she right. didn't ever remember her daughter's face when she finally looked at her after after saving her from the water she never looked at her again uh, you know or she never remembered it and yep. finally being able to see that that little girl's face this little girl who didn't even know it happened you know who didn't even remember it when she grew up like seeing that forgiveness from a child you know she was able to forgive herself oh god okay oh <laughs> yeah no i mean she finds accept acceptance and, and empowerment and in, in being herself and being true to who she is and who her family is. And, you know, she goes back to to save her family. And clearly, you know, Bo even says to, to Ellis, right, that she's not afraid to face these police officers for herself because she knows she can stop them, but she's afraid of her own powers, right? That's, that's her fear. She knows she can stop them, but she's so scared to embrace that and, and use them. But she finally does here. Um, they, they all, you know, it's it, all three generations kind of embracing their abilities and, and who they are. Um, and it, you know, it's, it's an interesting moment. Like you said, these, these police officers come out, they see the rain and they're so taken aback. And, you know, you realize that this is why, this is why they're coming for them because they know they, they can do this and they know this is what, what the planet needs to survive. So, uh, you know, unfortunately I don't get to spend a whole lot of time on, on that aspect, but you know, you, you kind of have an understanding of why these people would be, would be going to these great lengths to find, to find this family. Uh, and then I think it's, it's so great that, you know, Bo makes this decision to, to use her powers and to free her, her daughter and granddaughter by offering herself up to work with, with these scientists, right. To help them figure out uh you know how her powers work how they can use it and letting her daughter and granddaughter because we don't free. know what's going to happen to Bo right now and it's probably bad like no, I, I said mean, they could literally scientifically <laughs> yeah. experiment on her you know yeah, like, they we mentioned don't know. in the movie that they want to do experiments on ruth and based on what i said before just knowing medical history in general yeah uh things are probably not going to end well for Bo. and um do, do you think she's naive in thinking that they won't hunt for ruth and, I, and lila that's a good question I think maybe part of it is uh, so she turned herself over. I guess she knows she can get herself out if she has to, hopefully with her powers. But as far as her turning herself over and in, in the hopes that you know they won't find um, they won't find Ruth or Lila, if she does believe that, yes, she's naive. But she may also believe that they'll have a head start in order to do what she needs them to do. And uh, and, you know, when right, her right. when, you know, they're finally in the truck on their, you know, leaving, driving through the rain, uh, you know, there's a note that that Bo gave to Lila to give to Ruth. And it said, Simona Lott is real. She's in Rome. There are others. Find them. Go take apart the sky. So good. It's also kind of reminding me of V for Vendetta when he turn when it turns out that uh, after he put Evie through that whole fake prison scenario and she's reading those letters and it turned out they were real letters that he had uh been given yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> and you're like oh shit <laughs> it wasn't all fake uh you know it's that kind of that moment but you know i i think bo knows she's 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 pretty she's pretty you know uh worldly she understands how things work and she she i think she knows that they're not actually going to leave ruth and, and lila alone forever but i think she's buying them enough time to find these other people 
And then once they find each other, they, you know, all these scientists, all these police, they won't be able to stop them, right? Not not so much as like, you know, they're going to be like taking over the world, but they'll be powerful enough to to heal the planet maybe together and protect themselves. And I think that's kind of what what her intentions are here. You know, she knows that she's had her time and, you know, she gives her family a, a chance to to kind of fix the, the things that she probably could have done if she had taken the time to go find these other people like her when she was younger. Two last things I want to discuss. One of them was how they used their powers in the 10-minute finale. I believe Lila was the one who was taking apart the doors, right? Or do you think that that was Bo? I thought it, I think it was Bo. I thought it was Lila. If if we go with, if we go with mine, then it means each of them used their powers in like a different way. It means Lila, the youngest, was able to break right. down the walls, uh, Chris Jericho style, and that Bo, the eldest, was able to take away the weapons of 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 the oppressors. And right in the middle there, I don't know if her being in the middle is is you know necessarily important, but Ruth, she was a she was the one who was actually able to like bring life because she was able to take apart the sky and make rain happen again. Yeah. I, I like that, but I'm pretty sure it was both. She also she puts the door back together too when she walks back inside and leaves all the police outside. Okay, so just, like, I looked shocked. away for a sec. That's um, probably why. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So you all right. Yeah. She walks to the door very confidently and bam, the door just comes back together. And it's kinda like, you know, this is how I think she's kind of showing them like I'm coming with you, but don't forget I'm in charge. Yes, which I which I really I, I, I like that a lot. Um the the last thing I wanted to discuss for me was um it was pretty uh powerful to to see Ruth finally meet Lila and know like, oh, like this is you know, this is your mom. And uh and when Luth uh, when Ruth finally lets Lila know, like, listen, I left because, you know, I I you know, I was an addict. Cause she was like, Oh, let me come with you. She's like, I'm an addict. Like I'm you know, it's it's not good for you yeah. to be with me. You know, I'm in you know, I'm always recovered, stuff like that. And um, you know, I just I had a lot of shit in my own uh childhood. And I think you have at least a, at least a couple times, you know, the whole idea of just having to be separated from your mom. And then the next time you see them, it's like they're a different person. Oh, absolutely. Cause you've both been through so much on your own and, uh, you know, for one reason or another, whether it's, you know, I think in my case, it was addiction and mental illness. I think in your case, it was socioeconomic, uh, it, you know, circumstances, but I, you know, I, I did think that that was very powerful. And for those of you who think it might just be for the movie, no, it's not this shit happens you know broken families are yeah you know are real and uh to quote one of the one of the reviews from the new yorker it said this is a superhero movie that pays close attention to ordinary life and uh uh oh the the san francisco chronicle said um it was drab lifeless and it was another waste of goo goo and batha raw but uh but if you wanted to follow up on that uh on that I damn yeah <laughs> damn <laughs> but yeah just you know broken families and um i think there's also a lot to be said and unfortunately i'm not the one to say it but there's a lot to be said when it comes to the idea that these are all women who are in the in the lead and um unfortunately i know i fall fall flat when it comes to stuff dealing with uh not women's issues specifically because i am a feminist and i, I identify myself as one very loudly um but more, I just I I have trouble empathizing with those stories in 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 popular media, and uh, you know my wife on the other hand, she you know she's she's very much in tune to that stuff. Like, you know, this was kind of like watching Lady Bird. You know, she watched Lady Bird and was like, 
all right, you know, uh, you know, she loved it. I didn't think it was that great. And she goes, it's because you're not like, you know, a daughter mm. to a mother. Like you, you, you don't understand that. So I think there's also a whole other level in this. The fact that it is about women and not about, you know, a grandfather of father and son. Right, right. Yeah. It's, you know, you relate to things differently. I think you can still appreciate them and to a degree understand their importance, but it, it won't uh, you know, hit the same emotional or, you know, levels or memories for you. So I agree, you know, I think it's, uh, you know, it's just a different experience for you or I than it would be for your wife. I did hear that this is going to be a TV show now uh, with the same writers on Amazon Prime. So they're going to hopefully explore, they said, a lot of the things they weren't able to cover in, in such a a short film here, uh, not a short film. Yeah, but it's an a hour and a half. It is film. It is a short film, um, but it's not a short yeah. film. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's kind of exciting to see maybe them explore some of the things that we, we briefly touched on, but obviously they weren't going into great detail on. So, uh, you know, now's a good time to get into the movie as the show will be hopefully coming and out. And release next a year fucking podcast. So next time people look up Fast Color, they'll be like, yeah, you know, oh, we've heard a pop podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you were the yeah. first ones to review it. Like, oh, they style. used to have a podcast. And then they'll just start listening to the decline. Of that, that we have like our spiral downward. It's going to be like ECW. I just like I really enjoy the cast of this film. I feel like they all just did a really really great job uh, exploring emotion and just feeling like really like fully realized people. You know, even though they have powers to a degree. I just, I, I don't know. You know, it's a simple film. There's not a a whole lot going on, but it, it really focuses on character and. And dialogue, and I feel like everybody really did a good job, you know, including, uh, you know, Lila, um, who, who's, you know, a little girl, and she she was a great actress, I thought. So uh, I felt everyone did a really believable job with their roles. Yeah, child actors are, are like a whole beast unto themselves because you don't necessarily recognize when there's a good one, but you always recognize when there's a bad one. Yes. <laughs> you yes. know? Yep. I, I definitely agree. Yeah. You're like, oh, it's horrible. <laughs> you yeah. Know? It's, it's, you know, it's rough. It's, um, you know, it's, it's, Never mind. I don't, I don't need to say shit about any actors. I, I've, I've worked with a child actor on one of my short films, and it's difficult. It's really difficult because you're trying to elicit emotions and a performance from a child, you know? And, and it's... Uh, you know, you can only describe things so well to, you know, especially depending on their age uh, and, you know, trying yeah, to get them to the pay content attention of the film. And, yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's, it's hard to be like, hey, like, you know, when you're an adult, you're like, you're in a fucking movie, you know, pay attention. But when you're a kid, you can't do that. You kind of you have to put, you know, those those kid gloves on. As hey, Josh say, Whedon, try Jesus to, Christ. Right. <laughs> hey, fucking pay attention, Ray Fisher. Come on. <laughs> fucking pay attention. <laughs> or, <laughs> you're keeping it? You're keeping da, it? Da, 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 da. <laughs> fucking Joss. You're fucking around on set. No, but you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, you know, with a kid, it, it's you can't just be like, hey, like, action, let's go. It'd be like, hey, look over here. You know, like, get this emotion. And, and not that she's like you that You get a young, teddy bear the f- behind the camera, and all of a sudden they're like, mother, I'm moving out. <laughs> and they're like, oh, perfect. Good thing we had the teddy bear for motivation. <laughs> <laughs> <A> great actor. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, but yeah it, it's, so, uh, it's it's a lot of energy and sh- and you know I um I don't know if it was I I know part of it was definitely great directing but kudos to Sania Sydney for for killing it as Lila she was an amazing uh, addition to this film really really powerful role I uh, really powerful yeah. performance I think I would agree it, it's imp- I like that you talked about the cast because for a film like this which you know the special effects were great for an indie film. 
Um, they were they were good in general. I will say that at least to me. But also like, you know, it can't it can't just be those effects. Like, so you need you need an amazing cast to really bring it together, ground it, and make it relatable. And I think that the cast did that well. Well, I think that's the biggest downfall of a lot of indie films, right? Um, you know, a lot of times you don't have a big budget, so you're either working with you know, uh, people that are not getting paid a whole lot or sometimes not getting paid at all. And and not that they're not talented people, but maybe they're not as experienced or just, you know, don't have the same level of skill as like, you know, fucking Meryl Streep or, uh, or you know, Denzel Washington, you know what I mean? And and to try to get some really believable performances out of them can, can, can be tough, right? I mean, how many indie films have you watched where you're just like, oh, you're kind of, it's kind of cringy sometimes with performances, but... Uh, you know, I didn't. I didn't feel like that with this film, uh, really at all. So I thought that was kind of a, a, a big uh, accomplishment for them. Yeah. Uh, what were the quotes that you wanted to share? Yeah. So Julia Hart, who directed it and co-wrote it with her husband, uh, she was asked where the color, uh, where the where the idea came from. The color. It says the color idea came from, and she thinks it came from simply letting go. When we harness our greatest power, we see this beautiful thing underneath the world around us that you can't see when you're not paying attention. And uh, I don't think we really, you know, kind of talked about that, but the idea that, you know, paying attention. I did. Are you right, fucking to, kidding me? To I'm the, not the paying attention part. No. I, mean, kind I, was, of, like, kind I, I was like, yeah, I yeah, that's what I mean. I'm a genius. No, no, no. To, to like the, yeah, you know, not paying attention to the beauty of our cells, to the world around. Like, have you ever just been driving down the road and you just look around you and kind of take it in, you know, and you're like, wow, this is, this is wild. You know what I mean? If you're, especially if you're in a really nice area and you're, you're looking at the trees or the mountains or, you know, a beautiful city and you're just, you kind of think about what's there and what, what's been built and the people, right. You know, that are all around you and, and how everyone has a life and a story. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in our day-to-day life, our work, whatever's going on, that we forget to kind of think about those things. And and when you do, it's it's kind of mind-blowing. So I don't know if that's what she meant, but that's kind of how I look at it. Well, I think that, uh, I mean, that's a very beautiful way to say it. But uh, but I personally, I don't know about the listeners, but yeah, I, I personally have done that. I've made it a point more recently, you know, to uh, kind of take a step back and just like, not be in my own world, but be in the world. And uh, normally it is, yes, after I've gotten high, but um, you know, it could just be walking outside and like I'll just stop and be like, yo, like everything around yeah. me is moving. Like everything around me is growing. It's changing. It, like like we're we are part of an organism. And I know you didn't mean that part necessarily, but um I totally agree. Yeah. I mean I I agree. It's you know, you take a step back and I think you're able to see things more clear when you stop focusing on on stuff, you know? Yeah, definitely. Uh there's I got two more. One is if the world is gonna die, we're gonna have to br- be brave enough to share our power before it's too late. Which is the core of the film, right? And we we kinda discussed that, but uh, you know, that that women often hide their strengths from the world and from men, and that strength is magnified when they work together. And I, I think that's a, kind of a great summary of what they were trying to get at with this film. Um, and unfortunately, it's very real, because as I mentioned, and we've talked about on the podcast before, the planet is you know definitely dying from what we're doing to it. And uh, I think everyone who has the ability to help and you know has the strength to kind of do something will need to come forward, uh, as, as we've seen, right? Um, Look at, uh, oh gosh, what's her name? The young girl. Who, Greta Thunberg. Been traveling. Thank you. Yes, Greta Thunberg. You know, she's just, she's a, she's a young girl who decided that somebody had to, had to say something. And she she went out there and she's faced 
so much criticism. You know, she's got to have a really thick skin for what she's been dealing with. Uh, but she goes out there and she she fights for it because she knows that it's more important than than her own, you know, uh, emotions, right? And I think everyone's going to kind of have to take that stand in the next, you know, I don't know, five, ten years uh, before it's too late. And being a child, uh, you know, normally we think that they have thin skin. You know, I remember growing up, I fucking cried at everything. I mean, I still do as an adult, but, um, yeah. uh, but like, yep. you know, to be a child and have, like, there are people who say terrible and uh, shit about, about this girl online because, you know, because she's speaking out about, you know, trying to make a, a I don't even want to say a better world, a livable, the minimum, a livable right, planet. Right. Um, but, uh, but the, yeah, it's that, it's that exact thing. You know, she is, she's younger. She is choosing not to hide. And, um, and I think that we can all benefit from, from not just that example, but the example of, you know, in this film as well, embrace what your power is. And you know what? Now's the time to not let it hide. You got to show people, you got to show your color fast. Exactly. And the last thing I wanted to bring up was uh, I, th- I thought this was pretty interesting. This little bit of trivia. Um, represent- representation really does matter, says Hart. And she recalls two moments that drive that point home. The first is when her young son asked the nanny on set why everyone was looking at his mom. And the answer was because she's in charge. And the other happened at a screening with black girls in the audience who rushed Sydney afterward to praise her performance and character. A young black woman told Hart that she wished she had this movie when she was their age. And, wow. uh, you know, we've, we've spoken about that a, a lot, right? And how, it, you know, that's the whole point of representation. You know, all these people that get triggered by that, you know, why do we have to, you know, have a, a black superhero now? What's the big deal? Because representation is important. And when you don't have someone that you can, uh, you know, feel connected to or look up to, it, it's, it can be devastating, right? I mean, how many times have we been able to look up to even superheroes, you know, growing up? And it, it, it's so important for everyone to have that opportunity. And when you only see yourself in service roles or villain roles, uh, it's going to become very easy to believe because the society you grow up in believes it that, oh, well, maybe I am more apt to being a villain or a servant to to, to yep. people. And uh, yeah, it's just it's a simple. This is just a good family story, race or not, you know, or, or women or not. Like, it's just a good family story. And then they add those aspects and make it even better. Um, you know, Julia Hart uh, is is white, which also which uh, which surprised me. But I was like, oh, what do you know? You know, yet chose to to use. Oh, I didn't realize. Yeah, that. yeah she's white, and she, and so is her husband, uh, Jordan Horowitz. But they chose to make a movie about, um, you know, that a movie that features uh, black leads, and whether they know it or not, is about the black experience. Right. Anything else, Ty? No, that's what I got, man. And before we close out the show, we want to let you know what we're going to be watching next week. We'll be reviewing Pixar's Soul. That's right. We're going to be reading between the lines of this movie where a, uh, well, you watch the movie and we'll talk about it next week. How about that? Um, but yes, once again, as in, uh, we didn't mention it this episode at all, but uh, we are doing our best to follow up our Black History Month, which was... Uh, almost exclusively rooted in black trauma with following it up with a black triumph month so we all all movies in the month of march will uh feature characters of color uh who you know who are triumphing in one way or another and luckily this movie 
did that at the end. So that was nice. Yes. Um, yeah, I was like, oh, geez. So I was like, oh, no, I'm going back to the whole trauma thing. Uh, and uh, and we are still um, we are still throwing around having a housekeeping as our last our last episode this this month, or with doing a, another movie. So if any of you happen to be listening, you let us know which uh, which you would prefer a housekeeping episode or another movie. We're currently tossing up the ideas of uh, Cinderella with Brandy or Sorry to Bother You, which would mean Lakeith Stanfield makes his third return. Yeah. to the Politipop podcast. Get or, out. Or you can hear podcast. us talk about the stimulus and politics. Let us know. Let us know yeah, what you yeah. prefer, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, d- let, let us know. You know, the honestly, all it takes is one listener. It literally takes one listener to say, I would prefer this. So just yeah. know that, guys. You can make Good a vote. difference in this whole podcast, just one person. It really can. Uh, and you know what else can make a difference? You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at PolitipopPod, Instagram at PolitipopPodcast, email us at PolitipopCast at gmail.com. And if you want to get our show notes and sources, you can go to PolitipopPodcast.wordpress.com. Special thanks to all of you listeners out there. You are fantastic. And always to Antonio Chava for logo design. For the Politipop Podcast, I have been Mike Booch. I have been Ty. And remember, no matter what you're reading, no matter what you're watching, no matter what you're listening to, no matter what media you are taking in, always remember to never stop thinking, never stop learning. Find yourself, accept yourself, take apart the sky, and read between the lines. And scene. That it was, my friend. That it was. By the way, we should have just thrown credits up right there. Boom, boom. Politipop podcast done for the week. That was great. <laughs>